Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Wildly Live Simply podcast. My name is Morgan Bartell, and my husband has been begging to get back on the podcast. Okay, okay. Okay, not begging. Again, we are driving, if you can't hear the road noise in the background. (laughs) (laughs) So we thought it would be a good time to continue on with our Bible Q&A. We had part one that went up about two weeks ago. It's been that long. Well, I've had another one that went up in between, honey. Like, I, I have know. other plans. I know. It just felt like it, it hadn't <laughs> been that long. <laughs> no, it hasn't. It literally went up. As we're recording this, it would have gone up less than a week ago. But I already have another one on deck coming up. So this next one for part two will go up after that one. Um, I know. Your girl's got a schedule. <laughs> so we are out of town for bowling again, guys. All right. So we're going into part two of our Bible questions. Yes. So starting with number one, what do you love about God and why? What do I love about God and why? I mean, kind of some serious relationship. One thing, huh? It doesn't say one thing. It just says, what do you love about God and why? Oh my gosh. This is like a 30-part series just on this one question. Well, you did say we still have an hour and a half until we get home. So (laughs) buckle up, everybody. Honestly, I would say what I love about God is uh, just... I mean, the enormity of who He is and... It's just, it, it doesn't matter what you think, feel, or anything. He's already experienced it, and he can help you through it. And it's just mind-boggling to me that we're not even just like the very tiniest tip of the iceberg of the, the grandeur of who he is. That reminds me, you know, every time we've gone overseas, and we've been on those long-haul flights, yeah. the little... You remember what I always say, one of my favorite parts of international travel is, is how small it makes me feel. Yeah. And I know that sounds so dark, I guess, or sad, but it's not in a bad way. It's like when you're on a long haul flight to another country, leaving the United States, I mean, I have not been on a flight that does not have the route tracker video on the back of this, this seat in front of you. Right. And there's this moment when you're in the middle of nowhere over the ocean and you just zoom out all the way and you see it in the terms of the entire globe. Yeah. And then you just consider the fact that we are one of all of God's creations that he saw fit to put here. Right. But then you see how small you are in the grand scale of things, but yet that he'll still use you being that small to advance his kingdom and bring it, bring his kingdom glory. And it's just, I'm like the scripture that says we've been entrusted with the gospel. And then you see how small you are on that grand scale of everything else. You're like out of all the things. Yeah. We've been entrusted with the gospel. That, and he speaks to us on an individual level. And it's, it's like, I, I can't wrap my head around that. Like, I can't talk to even a hundred people on an individual level, you know, within a week with having any sort of relationship with them. But God like knows every little detail. He knows every head, 
every head, every hair <laughs> on your head. <laughs> he also doesn't know every head. Yes, he does. Yes. Um, and then oh still has all the time to spend with you individually. And he's always ready and waiting for you. He's waiting. It's like, I don't know. That's why I always think it's so funny when there, people are like, oh, I found God. And yeah. I'm like, was he hiding? <laughs> Where have you been looking? I'm like, because I'm, I'm pretty sure that's not what he does. I know. Like, or the or the ones that are like, well, we need to ask God to come in and, and into this space. I'm like, what I'm you need pretty to do sure is he's already here, people. Submit, <laughs> lay down your flesh, and recognize the sovereignty that's already in the room. Yeah. Like, I'm sorry. You're not that powerful to keep him out of it. Yeah. That's so true. Um I think what I love most about God would probably be the fact that he is so sovereign, but yet he's so approachable because there's times when you are in such reverent worship, when you're recognizing his, his holiness and his like, just, it, I mean, just, you can't even put it into words. No. But then on the flip side, there's moments where he's so approachable and you feel so comforted by him. And it's just, it's wild to think that the creator of the universe, the God of the heavens and the earth, like, he he wants to hear from us. He wants to converse with us. He wants to be near us. And so I just, that to me, it's just, oh, makes me cry. I mean, yeah, if you think about it, anytime that you hear anything related to uh, or describing a king or a kingship, there's, like, so many barriers between not just like his court or whatever, yeah. but definitely like the peasants and stuff like that. Like you can't just, you know, you go back into the Old Testament and look, anytime somebody approached the king without the king asking them to come in, they died. Hashtag Esther. Yeah. But See, that's the thing is, I mean, once you have that relationship with the Lord, once mm -hmm. you come to that belief in your faith and you profess Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. Jesus Christ is the one who came and died right. for your sins. Jesus Christ that came through a miraculous virgin birth. Once you recognize those things, I don't think we ever really fully grasp that we're now God's kids. Yep. We are kingdom children. We are royal children. We belong to the greatest kingdom of all. And so that's where that approachability comes. Yeah. But it's like you don't have to earn it. I think that's a big thing, too. Yeah. You know, I, and a lot of people do get that backwards. They think that they have to serve, 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 oh, so gosh, that they I can get recognized. You know, it, it, you know, if you're a younger guy, it's like, you know, we're going to put up chairs. Oh, I'm going to grab four of them because I'm going to impress God and the girls. No, four you wouldn't know. have impressed the girls. <laughs> it would have at least needed to be eight. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, you can only get your fingertips around so many of them, but you know, it's one of those things it, we get it backwards because we're so used to what the world standard is. So you got to perform, 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 perform in order to get recognized and get elevated. But really God's like, no, I want you to lay everything down and just focus on me and I'll elevate you. Just be my kid. Yeah. Just be my kid. Yeah. All right. Number two, have you ever questioned your faith? Yeah, um, I can think of probably three or four times I have, and I don't know if it's just because I do 
tend to err more on the analytical mind of things. Um, but yeah, I can think of several. Like I, I initially just kind of latched on to my my parents' faith or my grandparents' faith as my own without really knowing what I was latching on to. So then, of course, as I'm living life and getting older and starting to read the Bible more for myself and study it for myself, I'm starting to recognize things that I'm like, oh, but why do I believe that? Mm. And I was in that place, uh, and this isn't even necessarily my family or the church that I was in, but I was in a headspace of questioning God was not a good thing. And so I kind of hid those things yeah. and then ultimately kind of ran away from the faith and my, what I call my, my serial prodigal season where I came and I went, came and I went, <laughs> but I, I'm glad that I did have that season of questioning. And then I'm glad again that I had it um, right after we got married, we got married in the church, Yeah. but we, we were going to church, but we weren't going to church kind of thing. Like yeah. we weren't even going to the church really that the pastor that married us pastored until after we got married. We did premarital counseling because it was required for him. Right. We had chosen the minister for I mean, our we wedding did, because yeah, we it was your grandma's pastor. Yeah. And so ultimately we ended up going there. But what I loved was once we got married, then I again questioned it because I was like, what is our, what is our faith going to look like? Mm. And we didn't do well about discussing that ahead of time, honestly. No, and thank God that he intervened, and I feel like it it kind of just picked up where it was. I mean, we both kind of knew each other's faith walks, but not really. Yeah. And so then, of course, I was questioning it then of what is our faith going to look like? How are we going to live this out? And at that point, we were at a Southern Baptist church, and I love, I love the Baptist church, y'all, the Southern Baptist church specifically, and not just because of the potlucks, <laughs> but... There's so much beauty that came from that season of questioning, of attending the church that we did whenever we lived up in Kansas. Yeah. That helped really solidify how I I viewed our marriage from a biblical standpoint. And then um, I think the latest, honestly, was after the whole foster, in the middle of the foster care debacle. Oh, and yeah. that was where the Lord really broke off that serving mentality. Mm. Because... I didn't think that I had this, um, I don't know how to put it into words, almost this entitlement to blessings because of service. Oh, okay. Yeah. Because I, I won't forget the first day after we went, we were being falsely accused, had babies that we were very much in love with removed from the home. Our family was being threatened. Our freedom was being threatened all yeah. on false, false narratives. Yep. And, uh, thank, thank God that that all is cleared and everything now. And the truth did prevail and justice did prevail. Yes. But in that moment, whenever it felt like you were just getting gut punched left and right, left and right. I remember going into the nursery where we had the foster baby's cribs and go just collapsing on the floor Yeah. and sobbing. And then I got bad at God. I remember sitting up going, I did this for you. I served in your house so long. I've done this for you. I've done this. I did this. I never did this. I always shared this. Yeah. And I started listing off these things 
and I didn't feel like he had wrath towards me. I didn't feel any anger. I felt so much mercy in that <clears throat> moment. And it almost felt like I was just that whole room became a hug. If that makes sense. Yeah. Like yeah. I have worship music playing as I'm going in to pray, but here I am popping off at the creator <laughs> of the universe. But it was in that moment that then I had to find my faith again because I felt my hope so deferred yeah. that I didn't know if I actually wanted to continue on in the faith. Because I was like, it says that you protect your, cho your children. It says that you do all these things, God. And here I've been faithful. And one of the worst trials that could possibly happen is happening. Yeah. And then all I thought was, I mean, I had that that there in the back of my mind for maybe like two or three days. And then, um, and then it was like, that's all I have. Yeah. Like if everything gets stripped away, what do I have? Yep. And I'm like, my faith. Yep. I have, I have my relationship with Jesus Christ. If everything else were stripped away right here, right now. And so yep. I just chose, I just kept choosing him. I even I even confessed it to the Lord. I was like, I'm going to choose you, even if I don't believe that you're good. I'm like, I need you to show me that you're good. Yeah. And it wasn't a test either. It was from a place of just true vulnerability of being like, right. God, I'm struggling to see your goodness for me. I see it for everybody else around me, but for yeah. me. Yeah, I remember so those conversations. Of, I mean, I think we had multiple moments where I was ready to leave the church. Yep. I was ready to stop talking to people we had gone to church with. Yep. I was done reading. I mean, I don't, I'm one that likes to sit and read my Bible for hours. You were just kind of ready to wash your hands. I was like, you know what? Like we had a good run. Just call it. And I'm so thankful that that moment of, you know what? If I had nothing else, I have Jesus. Yeah. But if all this gets stripped away and I give away my faith, I will literally be a void. Yeah. It'll just be a hole of, yeah, of emotions and nothingness. Yeah. So, I mean, I know that was a really long-winded answer about questioning your faith, but I feel like I've had seasons of questioning my faith. And I'm thankful for every single one of those seasons because even in this one that was the most recent through the foster journey back in uh, 21. 2021, even in that, I feel like the relationship I now have with Jesus Christ is more, more mature. Yeah. And I'm not saying like, oh, I'm so mature, but there's a deeper level of understanding yeah. of what it his goodness looks it. like. Yeah. Because his goodness doesn't look like I thought it would. None of it does. And it's better than I thought it was going to be. But yeah. I had to get to that point of being like, you know what? I want to know you for you, not you for the for the God that I've read about in the scriptures that I've been told about, but I want to know you for you. Right. There's something so, so holy and pure about seeking out answers because the only person you can seek that out with isn't a person at all. It's, it's God. Yeah. It's not like you're sitting there seeking it out through your pastor or someone like that because you might, but ultimately you're going to have to find that for yourself. Yep. And when you have questions and some of these questions, you don't want to take to a pastor and not out of shame, but like mine is, I didn't feel like they were, they were there for me in that season. Right. So they were the last person I wanted to talk to. Yeah. But because of those questions, because of that seeking, it became such a, it felt almost like a noble quest to find these answers. <laughs> 
And so now when yeah. someone asks something, I know what I believe. Yeah. And I know what I want to stand firm with. And I know what I, I believe the scriptures to say. Yeah. I did my own like exegesis on scriptures. There I wasn't you go. just letting someone else tell me what I needed to know. Yep. Even you. <laughs> Even though there was times I had, I'm so thankful that the Lord used you to tell me things because I was like, nope, that's not right. I'm walking away. You're like, okay, <laughs> calm down. You can eat a Snickers. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. So you didn't have any. I, I honestly don't. I, I feel almost bad saying it, but I. Well, it's not offensive. Like, yeah, I mean, you have I or just, you haven't, honey. I, I don't feel like there's. Or I don't remember any times that I feel like I've questioned my faith. Um, you know, when hard times came, I honestly felt like it strengthened it. Um, you know, one of the one of the bigger you, ones. One thing I, guess, I think of is your granny. Yeah, and that was one of the that was one of them that really strengthened my faith. But I wonder, she like, she had a horrible, long, drawn-out battle with just really painful cancer, the treatments, multiple kinds of cancer all going on at the same time. And, you know, ended up this, just basically this two to three week extended period of going through excruciating pain before she passed. But yet she never gave up on the Lord. And even whenever she passed, you know, she, I could tell that she was just in awe and wonder of who God was or is and who he was to her. And so for me, it's like, okay, to see one of the most influential people in my life, so dedicated to the Lord that whenever she's literally on her deathbed going through, who knows, indescribable pain. And so much so that she can't even articulate what she's going through, but you can just tell how peaceful or how at peace she was that she was going to go see Jesus. And but I wonder, like, when we hear the phrase, have you ever questioned your faith? I wonder if we've created this almost like false narrative that questioning your faith is only when you question it in a negative sense. Because, like you said, that was like a solidifying moment in your faith. But that meant that there was existing questions that were answered by by that witness of her peace. I don't I don't know if it was necessarily questions. It was just more like even more reassurance that was like, okay, what you already believe, I'm giving you more proof of why you believe it. Number three, have you been a Christian your whole life? No. I mean, there was no hesitation there. I, I honestly don't know. I don't remember. Um, I don't remember exactly when I said yes. Yeah. But it was it was fairly early in my life. I remember I was around eleven, um, and I I mainly did it initially as a young child, basically because I'd seen a cross necklace that I wanted. And my grandma told me that she would buy it for me on the day that I got baptized. Oh my gosh. And so initially that was why I started to, but thankfully I have a very discerning grandmother. <laughs> um, and so that was my plot and my plan one summer, one spring, summer season. And I ended up going uh, to another year of 
church camp at Boiling Springs Christian Service Camp in Woodward, Oklahoma. Yep. At the old campgrounds. They've got newer ones. I was at the old ones. Ah. With very questionable cabins. And we were sitting around the fire. Um, and I actually have a picture of that on our on our photo ledge. Have you ever noticed that? No, I haven't. I'll have to show it to you when we get home. I found it. Grandma sent me some pictures and I had taken it on an old, like, what were the little yellow ones that the disposables? Oh, the little Kodak? Yeah. So I had taken it. I went back the next morning because I don't know what it was. And little 11, 12 year old me at that point thought there was something so important about that moment. And I took an actual picture of that place because we were someone would give a testimony or a small message right and then we would worship but that night was when i had my first encounter with the lord that i could truly say i i gave him my yes yeah. and so even in my plot and my plan to try and just get a pretty cross necklace <laughs> the lord was like you know what if you're wanting to do this like hi my name is jesus i want to be I want to be the one that leads you and guides you and is your friend and is your comforter and yeah. is your Messiah and is Emmanuel to you. Like in that moment at that age, that's when I remember that encounter and it marked me. And so, yeah, I remember going back and taking a picture, but I, I say I was a church kid. Yep. Like as much as you said you were a Christian early on, like your knowledge of nineties, Christian worship tunes, music, hits, all that is non-existent. And we've gotten to introduce you to some of the best of the best in uh, early 90s <laughs> TV shows for Christian Yeah, kids. But you've enjoyed, you knew Veggie Tales, you've watched 321 Penguins, things like that. I introduced you to the Brentwood Kids Company. Yeah. Which, by the way, guys you haven't ever heard of the Brentwood Kids Company, look up Brentwood Kids Sing Praise. It's the one, I think it's volume three from 1991. That was my absolute favorite. And I play it for our our littlest one who is just over one and he loves it. I'm so happy. I'm over there like with him. I'm like, dude, I will sing the Noah's Ark song all day. That song slaps way harder than it needs to. It's so good. But I feel like you were involved with, like, FCA and stuff like that. No. You weren't? No. You just dated the pastor's daughter. That's right. Two of them. Two of them. Oh, my God. <laughs> I wasn't even trying to talk smack. I was just like, I thought you did. Number four, how do you like to worship? Um, loudly. <laughs> <laughs> However, I need to so that the rocks won't cry out. I remember reading that, and I immediately was like i refuse to let the rocks cry out as long as i have a voice yep yep oh, so i love to worship whether it's singing dancing we love with our flags in the living room we'll do that with the boys pretty frequently i don't dance but i will sing you sing beautifully i do like to sing i love to I, write as a form of worship too i kind of miss uh leading worship it's been several months since I've led worship at our church. It's been 84 years. <laughs> um, but I really, honestly, I like a little bit more um, faster pace. He likes war music. A little bit more, Jake yeah. Jake Hamilton. A little bit more skillet. aggressive. Um, now, it's not to say that that's 
all a little bit I more do, aggressive. Several of yours are like, oh. I, know. <laughs> I, I love Shane and Shane. A lot of the songs that they've done, uh, Brandon Lake. There's a lot of those that um, I really like covering. Those there's a few songs that I've I've worked on to write that just haven't gotten them recorded yet. But um, yeah, I love to sing and just be in the moment. Bowling is kind of an act of worship. Yeah. Yeah. Very true. Yes. All right. Number five, what do you value most? It's kind of vague. That is very vague. Like in life or? I know. I almost don't, I really don't even like that question. Well, I do. I'm very much one of those people that I'm like, I'll rank things. <laughs> This is why I have to pray that the Lord would soften my heart and my mind because my mind is like, all right, you want me to make some judgments here? Let's See, go. This is like one of those questions that our oldest likes to ask me all the time. What's your favorite? What's your favorite? I don't have a lot of favorite. Of oh, anything. dude, I do. I'm like, there's a ranking. Like, things are good or things are trash. Like, there's not much in between, in my opinion. I yeah, I, said I, I, I have a lot of stuff that just kind of floats in my top ten. All right, of well, then let's... Let's hone it in on it. Like, what do you value most in a church? Um, I would say accurately quoting scripture and using it in context. It's a big um, one. My, one of my biggest pet peeves is um, sermons, sermons that <laughs> there is a specific topic and a point that whoever it is teaching is trying to prove. And then yep. they go and find scriptures that sound like it backs it up without actually checking the context of it. And so they take things out of context to yeah. twist. And if you don't read your Bible, you don't know any better. And I hate that because 90%, really... I think the statistic was 90% of the population of self-professing Christians don't read, don't read their Bible on a weekly basis, not right. even once. So if they're not reading that, like, how are, how are they, they knowing? supposed to know if it's right you're or taking wrong? A, I mean, you're doing yeah. it just like they would have done back in the 14th century. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's honestly, it's about the same thing as, I hate to say it this way, but it's kind of the same that... They might as well just that, have scrolls and be illiterate. Well, I mean, it's kind of the point. same way that the Satan attacks people. He will take, he knows scripture better than any of us, but he knows it so well that he can tweak things to make it sound scriptural and it not be. He can pervert it pretty easily. And I feel like that's what a lot of these messages are like when it's taken out of context, it's perverting the word, and it's misrepresenting uh, that God-breathed word that we should yeah. be living from. And if it is in any way perverted, then you're living wrong and you're going to miss the mark. And missing the mark translates to sin and it's just it's just not good so now i can't really elaborate much more because mine was pretty similar mine was strong doctrine yeah so i i think that's the most important thing in the church honestly yeah i agree number six how do you like to give back and serve um, I don't think that there's one way. I think of the, um, I used to always say that I was a gap filler. Like wherever I'm needed is where I'll be. And so 
then I kind of got depressed because I was like, all I'm good for is filling gaps. Like, I don't have a place in yeah. God's church. Like, is that all I'm going to be good for for the rest of my life is just filling gaps for others' callings and ministries? Or is that my calling just to be a gap filler? And my best friend, like, basically chastised me. Yeah. She's like, stop calling yourself a gap filler. She goes, you're a bridge. She goes, Those, there's a vast difference between just filling a gap and being a bridge from one place of ministry to another. Right. And so I think that has stuck with me so much because we're called to serve in different spaces and different places yep. with different expressions in every different season. I mean, I went from doing hospitality, being on the greeter team, being in the children's ministry, being in the women's ministry, being the prayer partner all at the same time. And it was one of those, like, I, that was back when I was trying to serve to gain approval. Yeah. And serve to gain more favor with God. So I feel like that brings up a really good point of knowing that what your identity is in the kingdom, because if you're, if you don't know that you're a son or a daughter, then you feel like you're serving out of necessity and you're doing it to earn that position of son or daughter. But if you realize that you're already in that place, and he's already called you a son and a daughter and adopted you into the kingdom, then you have a desire in your heart to serve him rather than feeling like you have to serve him. Yeah, I mean, I also was on that camp where I was like, because everyone kept saying, well, when you get right with God, then you desire to serve more. And mine was never a desire to serve more. It was why I was serving. Yeah. And so I feel like whenever my identity really was secured in, in Christ was when I was like, you know what? If I don't serve in this season, I'm still okay. Yeah. Like, I can still be of service to the Lord if I need to take a break. Yep. Because for the longest time, I was like, well, the moment I step down, I'm not valuable to everyone around me. So they're not going to reach out. They're not going to want to do any of the things. Yeah. But through that, I feel like the Lord has really created a healthy expression of service. Yep. And realizing that me saying yes to everything takes that opportunity of yes away from somebody else that might be called to that. Because there's so many things where people are actually called to serve in a, in a ministry and things like that. And we might step in the way, which right. doesn't take away that calling or that assignment, but it creates a different, a, a different path to get there. Yeah. And whereas we could have sat and asked the Lord, like, is this my best yes for this current thing? That's yep. a big game changer. Yeah. All right. Number seven, have you ever felt neglected by God? Um, I feel uh, there's been times where I felt like he was distant from me, but honestly, I felt like it was probably that I was pushing him away a little bit. And so he was just kind of giving me space to f figure out how much I needed him. So yeah. it, you know, it, a lot of people say, well, it's, I'm in a joke season. Oh, my gosh. And it's like, no, I've, you're I not. I a dollar for every time right. I heard that. Or the, oh, my gosh, the, uh, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Like, that's content, not, context. Yep, yep, yep. Content, but context. the whole joke season, it's like, you know what? No, you may be getting tested, but that's that's your time to get closer to him. And you might also have some sin patterns that are being revealed that you need to address yep. that are causing these repercussions. Yep. 
And a lot of times nobody wants to say that stuff because they're going to hurt someone's feelings oh, or yeah. they don't want to admit that because it hurts them because they're like, no, I don't, it, it's not me. That's a problem. It's something else is happening to me. Yeah. No, a lot of times we're dumb. Yep. Like, I'm just going to call it because I'm one of those people. <laughs> I get stubborn and I do things and I make choices that in the moment I know aren't the best that have repercussions. Yep. And then you get back on track, but those repercussions are still there. You have to address those with the Lord. Yep. He's never, he's never gone. He's never far. No. We're just loud and our attitudes get in the way, I think, sometimes. Yep. And sometimes, I'm just going to be honest, I think we, I think we enjoy hurting I think we like the victim mentality sometimes, even if we don't want to admit it. Oh, when yeah. things are rough, when things are bad, we want to create a villain out of it when there's not an actual blatant villain. Yeah, because you get more attention. Thing, well, not even that, but the easiest person to blame in that situation is the one who never leaves your side. Yeah. And so when you're going through a struggle, when you're going through a trial, when you're experiencing grief and loss, it's easy to say, this is your fault. You let this happen. Yep. But... It's also one of those things where it's like, you guys, like, come on, just come on. We'll have <laughs> us do a whole other episode on that because I could go yeah. all the time. All right. Okay. Number eight. What is the most important lesson to teach your children? To seek God. Yep. For themselves. Yep. I, I, I don't I, know that much more has I to don't be said. Either. I think one of the best things that I, I have witnessed is seeing London pray and ask the Lord for help. Yeah. Pray and ask the Lord for forgiveness. Pray and ask the Lord for guidance. Yep. Or hear him quote scriptures that he understands. And that kid, y'all, I'm telling you, our 10-year-old has more wisdom than most adults. Yep. But that's also because he reads his Bible. Correct. And you can start, yeah, like Jericho, we read him Bible stories. Mm-hmm. We read him Bible stories. I mean, he likes the pictures. He loves the pictures. <laughs> we choose to bring more Christian and faith-based elements, literature, entertainment into our home because I think that creates a love for the Bible. So I think that's the biggest one in my opinion. I don't know. It won't show me how... Y'all, we're recording this on my phone and my battery is like showing on our our screen in the car and it's like, you're about dead. And my (laughs) phone will not show me. Uh So we've got two questions, so we're going to power through it. All right. Number nine, what do you look forward to on the calendar every year as a Christian? I'm going to guess that they were probably asking what's your favorite holiday as a Christian, because that question sounds weird. Uh, Christmas. Christmas. Uh, Y'all, Colton uh, is literally Clark Griswold. I love Christmas. I love Christmas, too. I love everything about Christmas. We'll have to do a whole other episode on, on Christmas and our love for it, because we could go on and on and on. But when I just tell you guys, we have climate controlled storage unit that is probably 70% Christmas decor. It should be more. Multiple (laughs) trees. Y'all, our house looked like Christmas threw up all over it this year. And Colton's like, it's not enough. We need more. We'll get there. Well, baby steps, bro. (laughs) And a modest budget. Like, work with what we got. It's beautiful, but we love Christmas. I love everything that comes with it. We'll have to do another one closer to Christmas. It's July. Christmas. We can talk Christmas, Christmas in July. Okay, I'm not doing that. <laughs> but we will. We'll have to go in, in conversations about that and why we value it so much. I mean, obviously, the birth of Jesus Christ. Pretty big yeah. deal in the Christian circles, if you know what I mean. A little bit. But um, 
There's just so many beautiful things about Christmas. All right, number 10. Can you share a special memory from church? I have one immediately. Okay, go for it. So First Christian Church, Beaver, Oklahoma, one of the first musicals I ever got the lead in was called Candy Cane Lane. And I loved that play. And it's some of those songs stuck with me throughout my entire life. Um, and then whenever I got the opportunity to teach drama for our, our co-op at our church, I found, and I don't know how I found it, I typed in like some of the lyrics that I thought I knew from one of the songs. And I mean, mind oh, you, yeah. this has been like, yeah. like at least 25 years, 26 years in between minimum. Okay. And somehow was able to find what the play was called, um, find the rights to the music and all that and actually reperform it. And I thought it was such a beautiful bookend That's to awesome. my experience in church as a child yep. to my experience in church as That's an adult cool. yeah and how god was literally there writing the whole thing that's awesome um i'd say for me the first time that i had a a real like tangible encounter with god um you know it was during worship at our current church um it was it the i mean the atmosphere was just so thick with this presence and then i got the most real vision I, I i can't even begin to describe how real it was it was like he took me to an entirely different place i didn't even realize that i was on the floor um you know right in front of the stage and it's just I'm still in awe. I still get chills thinking about it. Uh, and this has been six or seven years ago now. I still very vividly remember everything that he showed me, everything that he said to me. And it was just an amazing experience. So I would say that would have to be mine. Do you want to quickly pray us out? We finished all 10 and my phone hasn't died. So we'll see if we can finish all right. this prayer. <laughs> I'm sorry to rush the prayer, guys. Well, thank you so much, Lord, for giving us this opportunity to, to share some of our heart, to go over some of these questions that really make us think and share some of our faith with others. And Father, we just thank you for your presence. We thank you for your leading and your guidance, your grace, your mercy. We just ask that you would bless all of those that listen and that you would just yes, bless Lord. their homes, their, their hearts, their families, and their health mightily in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, thank you guys so much for listening to the Bloom Wildly Live Simply podcast. Again, my name is Morgan Bartell. Thank you so much to my husband, Colton, for joining us again for part two of our Bible Q&A. I think there's two more upcoming. Yep. And we've got plenty of bowling trips coming up to record <laughs> these on. And so, again, I do apologize if the audio is not great. We are recording these on the road, so there probably is a bit of road noise. But... Um, invite you guys to follow us over on our social media. Um, you can find me on Instagram at, at Morgan Bartell. You can find Colton's at, at coltonbartell.pba, P-B-A, not P-G-A, P-B-A. Yes. And I would like to invite you to visit my website, bloomwildlylivesimply.com, and sign up for my weekly devotional. Send a little 10-minute or less Devo out every single Thursday to just encourage you in your walk with the Lord. 
Thank you guys so much for listening and we will talk to you guys next time.